0: Hello and welcome to Warren for the Road. I'm Cam Washington, and like always, I'm with Bob and Randy. Today we are with Robert Norton, and we're talking about confidentiality and how that affects communication in the church and in the legal system. Thank you for listening, and enjoy. Uh, so just give me a little, because uh, in terms of just, when we think about confidentiality, who, who would this go to? Would it be primarily our leaders? Is that what we're looking at in terms of confidentiality? Mm-hmm. Here, well, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, that's a good question. Um,
1: Remember, I'm coming at it from what does the law say about all this. So, um, the concerns of what the church are are different than what my concerns are because I'm I'm trying to figure out. I know what we do as a church that may involve confidentiality, and so I'm interested in how the law might impact that. So, when you say, are we concerned about, um, you know, leaders or whatever? Well, there's this whole spectrum where you know you can be the, the, the lead senior teaching elder, uh, or you can just be a member in the church who sometimes engages in you know a conversation with people that's for the purpose of spiritual counseling or spiritual comfort or you know one of these kinds of buzzwords that the law uses. So you know, and in between, you could be a discipleship leader, elder. You know all all these different roles. Well, what does the law have to say about those different roles? And you know, is is the, there's a there's law on privileges, confidentiality privileges mm-hmm. that clearly relate to clergy. So you're a priest, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, it's clear. You're mm-hmm. in a confession booth. That's the clearest, obvious, mm-hmm. uh, most obvious situation. But uh, I. But the the rules on this, the law on this, and the kinds of situations a person might get pulled into actually apply to just about everybody in the church.
2: So well, it's going to be messy. It's going to
1: be
0: good though. It's going to be a great conversation. Interesting. I watched a movie, old movie, the other night, and a guy confessed murder to his priest, and yeah. the issue mm-hmm. was so how do oh you yeah. deal with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a Law and Order junkie, so like <laughs> I see this happen all the time. It's like how do you how do you get around it? So. <laughs>
2: Okay, yeah, are we on? Yeah, Yeah, we're on. Okay, here we go. So, uh, yeah, welcome to this edition of One for the Road. So there's the old story about Father McGonaghy. I don't know if you've heard this, Father McGonaghy. He Mm -hmm. is at his um, 75th anniversary celebration of being a priest. Mm -hmm. And um, in his early to mid-90s. And he's telling stories, and they're saying, Father McGonaghy, can you tell us some great stories about being a priest over the years, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes... Well, you know the one I can tell you is you know that my very first confessional, the first person that came in and made their first confession with me was was a murderer and they never they never discovered that he was a murderer but mm-hmm. he confessed his murder to me and I gave him absolution. party goes on for about five or ten, 15 minutes and a man comes up, kind of breaks his way into the crowd and sticks out his hand to Father McGonaghy and says, "Father McGonaghy, don't you remember me?" I was your first, you <laughs> confessional. So much for confidentiality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, today on One for the Road, we're talking with Bert Norton, who's a good friend, elder here at the church, a lawyer, a judge, a bunch of other good, cool, fun things that he do- does. And uh, we're going to talk about confidentiality, so hang on to your seats. It's uh, challenging, It's uh, it's mystifying a bit, everything from WikiLeaks to... Uh, the Democratic National Convention, to uh, whatever else you read on the news out there. We may have even explore some of those topics, but, uh, but we're going to talk about what is confidentiality, specifically for those of you who are leaders, you're having a conversation with someone. When is it confidential? How is it confidential? Will it remain confidential? Or are there ways in which it wouldn't be confidential at all? So uh, we'll jump into all those topics and more, and uh, we hope that you'll keep this, uh, this confidential.
0: <laughs> okay. I don't think we're, that's going to happen. We're just putting it on the internet. There that's you all. go. We're on the internet.
2: So here we go. Uh, Bert, do you want to start us off? Just made some general thoughts, and then Bob will jump in and yeah. Cam.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, what, um, what started me down the road of thinking about this and thinking it might be a good subject for uh, general consumption here is that there's a little bit of tension in the law between uh, holding things confidential and disclosing them. And so uh, there's also some tension, I think, in church circles where, you know, let's say you go into a discipleship group, you agree among each other that everything's going to be confidential, Mm -hmm. and that's certainly necessary for what you're trying to accomplish there. But gee, what if later somebody tries to slap a subpoena on you to get you to come to court and say whatever was said in the discipleship group? What happens then? Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, discipleship group would just be among members of the church, not necessarily leaders in the church. Uh, does that make a difference? So I started looking at this because I thought I, I think it's worth a little uh, clarity, mm-hmm. and so that's why I brought the sets yeah.
0: Okay, that's awesome. What have you learned, or what are you learning about about this?
1: Well, what I have learned is, um, and, and you know this comes up in my practice sometimes, so uh, you know I have a little experience with it. But um, I'll, I'll start with this. There's there is a confidentiality statute and it relates to, it's sometimes cl- called um, uh, clergy confidentiality, but if you read the statute, it actually is much broader than that. Uh, it talks about, relevant here, Protestant ministers of the gospel, but also any Christian minister or similar functionary, quote-unquote, uh, uh, quote by whatever name called, unquote. It's it's obviously intending to be as broad as possible. Right. So to my mind, that could very well be applied to somebody who is, let's say, a discipleship group leader. huh. So what happens then is and I and I know this has come up, this is not a you know, this is not a far fetched idea at all, uh, that let's say you're hearing about something in discipleship and uh, you know, there's a divorce case later and mm-hmm. something that came up in the discipleship uh group. Uh, you know, now that the you know somebody's advocating for a position in a divorce case and they want to bring that out. Um, and so here comes a subpoena. All right. That's that's not an unrealistic scenario at all.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and it gets into it, it, we quickly. We'll get into Christian ethics. So, for example, not this is not a real case, but uh, we're in a discipleship group together. Cam discloses that he's having an affair. It's not his, true. I know, not true. <laughs> but his <laughs> wife, record. his wife doesn't know. Later on, she wants to divorce him. She subpoenas me and Bob and you and says, hey, I know y'all talked about stuff in that group. So the question is, from a, even from a Christian ethics perspective, is I don't know if you can weave that in here, but what is the, first of all, what does the law say about that? And then maybe a more complex issue is Christian ethics.
1: Yeah, um, well, what the law says is that, um, first of all, you, the, the law, you have to look at what the nature of the communication was. So, if you're what the law says is, are you professing religious faith, seeking spiritual comfort, seeking counseling? those are the buzzwords. Well, this would count. it It would be okay. that kind of mm-hmm. communication. Uh, next would be, well, to whom is it made? Well, you just gave the scenario of we're just discipleship group members mm-hmm. here. Uh, there's not a priest or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, is is the fact that it's communicated to us in this this discipleship environment, does it meet the statute? There's no case law out there. There's no precedent that says it does or does not. Wow. And so you can, uh, you can look at that and say, well, that's intended to be clergy, you know, but, mm-hmm. but look at all the different faith traditions out there. There's some that have a very strict clergy-laity distinction, and there's mm-hmm. others that say every member's a minister, and mm-hmm. that's exactly what you're engaged in here. Mm-hmm. I think the statute is intended to be very broad there to cover that situation, and I think that's the better argument. I'm surprised there's no case law
2: that, of uh, all these years, no one has, no no woman scorned or man who, whose wife ran off with another you know guy or whatever hasn't taken this and tried to bust
1: yeah, There bust is some through. case law in the statute, but what I mean is there's not any that's interpreting whether or not this kind of discipleship scenario would sure. be a proper occasion for the privilege to apply. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to get to how this would work, so we get a subpoena and we're being mm-hmm. called into court to mm-hmm. testify in this Completely fictional case. Uh, mm-hmm. Of Cam, of Cam, Cam
2: had me an affair. Yeah, I really want to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so what do you do? And um, this is a pretty easy one, I think. Given the way the statute reads, w- what I say is you you absolutely don't just show up and start talking. You you preserve the confidentiality. Matter of fact, that same statute says that whatever's privileged here, if it's privileged, Mm -hmm. that it's neither competent or compelable. That is, our testimony about what came up in discipleship is is neither competent or compelable. Competent just means it's not admissible in evidence, and compelable means it's not subject to subpoena. Now... But there's room for interpretation on some of these issues like I've just been talking about. So what really comes down to is the, is the judge going to enforce the subpoena or not. So if you get one, you don't show up and start testifying. You you it's it's on the recipient of the subpoena, not not the litigants. Mm-hmm. If you get the subpoena, it's on you to file something saying, hey, no, this is privileged. Because remember, it's advocates. Mm-hmm. The judge doesn't send out the subpoena, the advocates do. So the advocates send out a subpoena, they just want you there to testify and get good info from you. Right. Uh, it's on you to uh, assert yourself and say, no, 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 this is privileged.
2: Mm-hmm. I know you have some questions, but let me flip this around for a second, because the, the, the opposite side of the coin could be, let's say I, I get subpoenaed, I go and say, yeah, that dirty dog, I, I want, I'm gonna spill the beans in court that uh, he did have an affair, fictional affair that it is. Uh, could Cam then turn around and sue me and say, "Wait a second, you broke confidentiality." Um,
1: that is a great question because um, he would like to sue me. I'm yeah, sure. that's, right. that's right. And as you can, and that's a great um, c- uh, scenario that you pose too, because it shows where there's a little bit of attention here, right? Because um, the statute that I keep talking about, the privilege statute, if you're a lawyer, you'd look at this and you would you, you would never suspect this, but buried in the middle of the privilege statute is an affirmative obligation of non-disclosure. So, there, so it's a legal obligation that we have to keep it confidential.
0: Mm.
1: Wow. Okay, so, and, and the reason I say that about lawyers, I mean, I look at this and I go, gee, that, I'm, that's really surprising that that's stuck here in the middle of the privilege statute. I would never think to look at it there, look for it there, or expected to find one there it's in the evidence code about when things are privileged or not, uh, so yeah, it says no such minister priest, etc um, uh, will um, uh, will disclose this with rep, you know this kind of communication in court so mm-hmm. at a minute that's that's among the reasons why at a minimum you've got to resist the subpoena, which right. means move to mm-hmm. have it quashed
0: now. Hmm. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit here, and that is thinking about our leaders and, uh, you, you uh, I mean, clergy and, and lay leaders. Um, what about things that we would say this is not confidential, meaning that you must report this? Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, what mm. would be things that we'd say you, I mean, I, I can think about, you know, somebody comes to me and their underage child, they have bruises. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. That's great. That I mm-hmm. must report.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. the, that is. Um, <clears throat> There's actually a rule in the in the code, which spe- specifically speaks to that. So you do have an ob Well, certain people who are so called mandatory reporters do have an obligation uh, to disclose suspected child abuse. Right. And so that's obviously an exception because it, that kind of information could come up in the context of what would otherwise be privileged communication. So that's right. clearly accepted. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and it's it's worthwhile to look at the this the statute, the specifics of it, to see who's actually a mandatory reporter because it's a misdemeanor to not report when you should. Right. And there was actually an arrest of somebody and. Uh, I think it was in Cobb County fairly recently on that, which is kind of a surprise to me. I mean, you know, it's there to give a little oomph to the statute, but somebody actually did get locked up over it. Wow.
2: Some of our listeners would say, you keep talking about the statute, and of course, uh, those of us who are not lawyers think, oh, it's the law. How, How... could we, I mean, we should post on the website or something the, the statute. Is, how complex is it? How, how many pages is the statute? Is it written in Greek, English, Latin, Farsi? Well, how, well, how, how long is it? And could the average Joe Blow without a law degree read it and kind of make sense of it? Yeah, you
1: could. Um, this, the privilege statute that I was just referring to is that uh, you can Google this, it comes right up. It's Georgia Code Section 24 5 502.
0: A of dashes. Yeah, of dashes.
1: Uh, in the uh, the reporting child mm-hmm. abuse statute mm-hmm. is at Georgia Code Section 19-7-5.
2: Okay, so they could pull that up and read that and get a pull sense up, of... Read it. Then.
1: You can read the list of mandatory reporters under the child abuse statute, and that's mm-hmm. a good thing to do because some mm-hmm. of them are very broad. Uh, mm-hmm. They could be read very broadly, and you could, it's... You know, this is another one where there's not any case law that tells us exactly, but uh, I read some of these as potentially being um, applicable uh, to some of the programs that the church would have, for example. And somebody mm-hmm. who's maybe a volunteer and doesn't know anything about this might actually have mm-hmm. some mandatory reporting obligations. So if you, you know, if you encounter a situation, you would, you, when you want to keep it to yourself, you'd want to at least mm-hmm. find out what's mm-hmm. the right next step.
2: Okay. Um. I'm gonna keep twisting the dial here until y'all sure. t- y'all tell me stop. Uh, let me flip this around a little bit. Like when I, when I write an email to someone, uh, sometimes I mark it confidential. Now someone have told me someone's told me like that's like meaningless for me to mark it confidential or to, it, does it does that carry any weight at all anywhere in the whole, or can someone say well. Too bad. That's your opinion, or you know, can I phrase that in any way by which then they use that somewhere else? I can say mm, foul, uh, not admissible evidence, or I don't know what I would.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I wouldn't say it's meaningless. I mean, first of all, regardless of what the law says, uh, going back to the ethics mm-hmm. I think that that you, you mentioned earlier. Uh, that's to put somebody on notice that, hey, look, this, this isn't to be just broadcast around. There's mm-hmm. reasons for this to mm-hmm. be confidential, so I'm saying it's confidential, and the, the implicit expectation is they will honor that. So, yeah, it's not uh, pointless. But um, legally, if it comes up in a question of whether or not this would be privileged communication, for example... Mm-hmm. Um, what is going to control is going to be the language of the statute. And one of the things I started out with was what kinds of communication would count as being, uh, as being covered under that privileged statute. And that's some fairly vague uh, language like seeking counseling, seeking spiritual comfort, that sort of thing. So if it meets that definition, and, and, and it's not broadcast to a whole bunch of people, I mean, it's to, to the people for whom or person or persons to whom the communication uh, makes sense as being confidential, uh, then the fact that you marked it confidential, I think enhances it, if somebody should argue with it, enhances the argument that, yeah, this is this is intended to be privileged communication.
0: Broad question would be, for me then, uh, I'm sure, obviously, there are instances, but when we're dealing with uh, cases like here, care cases, we're dealing with discipline cases mm-hmm. here at the church, Uh maybe we're dealing with people who is an elder and I've got somebody in my in my shepherding group that their marriage is in trouble or whatever. Is there any good reason to put something in writing at all?
1: <laughs> no, that's a good point. Um, that's a great question. Yeah, it is a great question. Um, yeah, keeping it confidential means keeping it confidential. So if it's somewhere on your computer where somebody can wander by and get it, that's not really keeping it confidential. Right. Um, or
2: if you sent it, you're saying... Do you, put do you the think whole, verbal, verbally?
0: Yeah, you know, like why is it even on paper somewhere where yes, someone can right. read it? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, i i I've, 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 I've uh, sensed more and more that I'm trying to to not have any type of communication, um, you know, that's going to be content driven in an email or anything Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to have that by phone I'm not going to text I'm going to have that it's either going to be person Mm to person or face Mm -hmm. on the phone
1: the more sensitive Mm -hmm. it is the more confidential it is and Mm -hmm. the less reason you have to want to deliver it in that fashion anyway if it's Mm -hmm. got some sensitivity to it then you Mm -hmm. would expect a Face to face. You wouldn't expect that. Or at least, that's not <laughs> the case. At least nah. a voice to face. Because females can be so misconstrued. Yeah,
0: exactly.
2: Okay, well, let me transition there then, spin the dial one more time because. How many times are going to spin this? I'm going to keep on spinning this, baby. <laughs> um, from what I understand, the law in Georgia is that people can record a conversation without your consent. So here's Bob thinking, hey, I'm doing a good thing. I'm going to tell this person, hey, quit having sex with your secretary right. because your wife's going to, you know. And the other person it. is recording it, mm-hmm. so that that's just the way it is, right?
1: That, that is, is the way it is. the law is uh, in Georgia. I'll be careful with that because that's not the law in every state. It's actually criminal mm-hmm. in some states
2: I to believe.
1: do that. Yeah, to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, if you got a, two people in Georgia on either ends of a phone call, then yes, that that would be the situation. Mm-hmm. But of course, if one person doesn't know that's being recorded, I mean, it tells you a whole lot about whether or not this really fits the. Definition of privileged communication here, hmm. right? Because they're they're saying it's not because they're yeah. they're recording now, it. Let's know? say you and I are having the conversation and you're recording it, mm-hmm. and I find out about it later, and you go and disclose it to somebody. Well, it comes back around to the hypothetical you came up with a minute ago, where uh, you know if I'm aggrieved by that, I didn't know that you were recording it, and it was certainly intended to be confidential. Well, the law says mm-hmm. uh, if it's if it is this sort of pastoral communication. Uh, then I have a right to an expectation of uh, of privacy, and you have a duty not to disclose it. So if you've gone and recorded it, what are you going to do with that? Yeah, and I'm less
2: concerned, I think, with me recording people. I'm more concerned with someone else recording. Particularly if, for example, a spouse and I are talking on the phone, and the spouse is saying, "Well, you know, my husband is a dirty dog. That cam, he's really right. in love with the secretary. It's fictionally in California." And I say, yeah, I know, or I I may, you know, it's kind of like now I'm recorded. So I think it makes me, you know, not scared, but just wanted to be wiser and wiser and how do we communicate and do we, I did have a situation recently where, where a, a person had recorded a counseling session with somebody else and that was disclosed to me. And when that person then met with me, I asked the person, I said, are you recording right now? And the person said, no, I'm not. I have thought about, and maybe for some of y'all who are are out there listening, of saying to people when they come to my office, I hate to do this, but your phone has to stay outside. Mm -hmm. I I can't let your phone be a moth because I'm not saying you you would record me, but as a matter of policy now, phone, stay outside, because I could be recording you on the phone, you wouldn't know it. So it's like, how far do we go with this whole thing, you know, with, with the litigious world that we live in and is crazy
1: out there. But, well, yeah. they, that's a good point. I could see that being a very messy litigated matter mm-hmm. uh, because there's all kinds of issues in there. And uh, starting with, you know, is it really the kind of communication that is that is covered by the privilege of the statute mm-hmm. if one person is obviously not uh, doing one of the things I mentioned early earlier, mm-hmm. seeking spiritual comfort, seeking counseling. Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. doing that. What they're doing is trying to get ammo for their case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, then, it's really not that at all. Then it just
2: it's just something else. Yeah. So let,
0: I would just uh, be curious uh, your counsel to us because we occasionally run in these types of situations. Just your general counsel. Let's say either us or uh, you know an, an elder or deacon in this church where somebody is. Is involved in a domestic issue. Maybe it's a divorce, and they're saying, "Would you come testify on my behalf?" What is your general counsel to that? And then, if we get subpoenaed, what what is your counsel about that?
1: Okay. Um. First of all, it, your question made me think of this, and I want to make sure I said this, that every situation is very different. Right. And what happens in, when, when people are listening to things like this, they go, oh, you know, here's the answer, yeah. and it applies to every situation. Exactly. And one little tweak in the circumstances right. may change everything. Exactly. So all of these kind of situations uh, deserve a, a look at the particular facts there. Right. So in the scenario, you just said, well, let's say you get a subpoena. If, if it is the, these kinds of confidential communications, and it likely is, you gotta resist the subpoena.
0: Okay.
1: Now, that doesn't, that's not you know, you know, mm. storming down the gates or anything. All that means is that you have to ask the judge to, to, to... See, subpoenas are theoretically from the judge, but judges don't actually sign subpoenas. They come from the clerk, and lawyers have the authority to get them from the clerk and send them to people. Mm. Right. So that's all delegated down. But the judge has the ultimate say about whether or not you actually have to do what the subpoena is mm-hmm. asking for. So what I'm saying is, don't just willy-nilly go, oh, it's a subpoena. I just better do it. Yes. Don't do that. You got to resist the subpoena. Right. And mm-hmm. you got to fight over it because because there's there's a lot at stake here. There's the communication, the confidential communication uh, that's involved right here, but also the general principle that this having confidentiality in these sessions is valuable and important uh, to our mission. And we need to preserve it, right.
2: you yeah. yeah see that that, in my mind, is a key thing that that if indeed Bob was subpoenaed and went in and said, "Okay, I guess I got to spill the beans on our friend here."
1: Right.
2: Um, <coughs> who would want to go to Bob ever again as a right. pastor right I mean they say, "Well, I can't tell him anything confidential mm-hmm. because he'll spill the beans out there right. so that mm-hmm. it, it, the system breaks down to that end, yeah. so I think you know, and, and I don't know how the the way the world's going here in terms of Christian persecution and our rights and those type of things. Maybe at some point in time, that will be challenged in the courts. In general, the way things are going in
0: America. And, but I mean, let me the ask the you this we'll also: that you would, and uh, is this a different scenario where? I mean, I've been asked this before. Would you be willing to testify? But yeah. would, and just, yeah. I think generally we would say no. I guess. Is that what you're well,
1: yeah, that's a different situation in my mind. Right. Uh, first of all, um, if they're asking you to come testify, it may be in a character kind of right. mode where these considerations about um, confidentiality aren't implicated at all. Right. So that may be perfectly okay. okay. But it depends. Uh, it depends on what they want you to testify about exactly. And if you, they say, oh, I just want you to come in and say what a great guy I am, uh, and you do... Um, and then you get on the witness stand and then you're starting to be asked other things. Right, that's my you fear. You're going to have to be really on your toes mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. at that point, literally, after the question is asked and before you answer it, you got to be able to say, well, no, I think that's privilege. That's, exa- that's, that's why that's, I've said no,
0: because I've had that fear yeah. that I'm going to get on the witness, you know, if you got to start asking me yeah. questions, and I'm like... "Something
2: like, you can't handle the truth. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> I, know, I, know. I know. And these are
1: relatively... Uh, <laughs> you know, these are relatively fine distinctions. I sure. mean, unless you, you're a lawyer and you, you're specifically looked at these exact issues, I mean, not, not too many people are going to really be that discerning mm-hmm. just really mm-hmm. on the fly mm-hmm. like
2: that. Well, hey, we want to wrap here uh, in just, just a minute or so. Can you just top of your head now, you're talking to just people out there who are thinking, whoa, I've been in a discipleship group and I've, I'm, I'm leading and this, that, and the other, and... Um, what would be just your advice to them? I, one thing I hear real clearly is if you ever do get subpoenaed, just don't go tooling down to the judge and say, here I am to share my guts. Right. Uh, fight the subpoena. What else would you say kind of in summary here in terms of this whole confidentiality?
1: Well, first and foremost, I would say don't be intimidated by legal processes uh, the, the the possibility that there may be some sort of legal issue out there in the future someday so much so that it chills uh, you doing the discipleship in, mm. in the way it's intended mm. to be done that's that's, that's first and foremost mm. uh, because you uh, we're not supposed to have a spirit of fear. We're supposed to be strong and courageous, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. this is this is exactly what it means: Just go in and, and do the right things. This is very valuable. Mm-hmm. That's that's part of the reason I say we almost have to advocate for this privilege and this confidentiality remaining in mm-hmm. place because it's 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 important. It's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do engage in confidentiality. I would say also, I mean, in confidential communications, uh, as in a discipleship group, I would also say. Um, um, especially if you're a discipleship leader and you're in a position to say this, emphasize this. Make sure your your folks understand mm-hmm. it uh, so that they get all this too. And make sure that confidential communications are confidential and uh, non-confidential communications are not. And everybody knows what's what. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. That's good. That's a good word. All right. Well, that's a great place to end. Thanks. Um, just, yeah, just, just very, very helpful and thoughtful. It's a complex world out there, but yeah. uh, you have a... Great ability to help simplify things and help us understand. So thanks. Thank thanks you. for being here. And uh, thank you all, as always, for listening to this edition of One for the Road. Uh, we do hope you won't keep this confidential, that you share this with other people that you're coming into contact with out there. Explore. Listen to the to uh, more things. Or read the things on the Internet that Bert mentioned. Uh, just be more informed, I think, would be a helpful yep. thing. But even as he said, yeah, keep engaging with people. It's the good news of the gospel, and we're called to, to bear one another's burdens, come alongside people for the sake of the kingdom. So thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time on One for the Road.